Okay. G'day everyone. Um, thank you for coming. And uh, I'd first up like to uh, dedicate this talk today to my beautiful wife, Lisa Heenan, who's somewhere here, who's been with me on this uh, journey. Love you, darling. I'd also like to um, thank um, Bioneers for putting on such a wonderful show and for hosting us all so well. We all appreciate that, I know. And also to Mr. Brock Dolman, Year 20 Bioneers. Give it up for Brock. Um, he did a reasonable job of pumping my tyres up, so let's, let's get into it. All right, now... Um, we're from uh, this part of the world. <laughs> and and we're from a part of the world that's uh, the Jajawarung and the Tungurung country in central Victoria. And I'd like to acknowledge the, uh, the coastal Miwok and southern Pomo people whose land we're on today. Thank you. My father um, grew up on a farm just north of where we live now, and uh, in the late 1950s, he, uh, his family swapped that farm for a pub in Bendigo. <laughs> in 1966, he was conscripted, and in, 19, in February of 1968, he came home in a box when I was three months old. That was the first defining moment in my life. Um, what that led to was us moving to my, parents, my grandparents' farm, and that really set me on my way and really defined me as a person and who I am here today. So I'd like to thank uh, Nana, and Nana, Betty and Grandad Frank for that. The next defining thing was up for us was, uh, well for me, was uh, getting married to Lisa and uh, then the arrival of our beautiful children, Isabella, Pearl and Zane. We started our business on the day that Isabella was born, on March the 6th, 1993. And we've been doing this stuff ever since. We've gone all over the world with it. Uh, we've been continually travelling. The primary directive of our non-profit and for-profit enterprises is the regenerative enhancement of the biosphere's ecosystem services. We put that number one. That's our primary client. client. The secondary directive is to provide the potential for people to be informed about the regenerative economy. And we do this with people. It's a very people-rich system. We've been fortunate enough to work with thousands of people who, on whose shoulders I stand here today. So I'd like to acknowledge them for the support and faith they've had in us over this journey. Thank you. And another thing that we're doing now is we're moving, like everybody is, you've got to do something on video, don't you? So we're doing a thing on, um, we've got a, uh, Lisa and Isabella have got together and they're doing filmmaking and they've got this, uh, this is their first feature on polyfaces. Uh, it'll be a, so if you want to support that and have a look, shameless plug, go and have a look at the Regrarians channel on Vimeo and you'll see our trailer, it's beautiful. Another thing that we're working on um, with a guy called Andrew Jeeves, who uh, had a bit to do with that logo, in fact he illustrated every piece of that book, is we're writing a, the Regrarians handbook, that's just a faux cover I pulled together this morning. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be in a little moleskin so that the agrarian will have something that they can take with them everywhere, a sort of a cut to the chase, how do we do this stuff? Because that's where we're at right now. 
So for those uh, social media freaks out there, I, I got reminded yesterday that you need to tweet, so there's your official tweets, add Regrarians onto there as well. Right, so this thing, Regrarian. Regrarian is a word I came up with only a year ago, and it's something I've been working on for a while. It's the, it's the merging of regenerative and agrarian. An agrarian really hasn't been, for the last 10,000 years, something that's been sustainable, let alone regenerative. So it's something that we need to change. That's part of that reboot. So when we look at where we are now, you know, as a species, we're omnipotent. There's never been a species like us that, uh, you know, that actually now is a changing force of geology. We move more sediment than all of the rivers in the world. That's just one mine, right? So, enough of the bad news. You can get that from uh, various channels, or perhaps one. Um, <laughs> we gave you that guy, and uh, when he left, um, we revegetated his old school, Geelong Grammar, and while we were at it, we did the uh, Shell Oil Refinery. We put 50,000 trees out there, so it's pretty nice to do that sort of thing. Anyway, choices. All about choices. Which way are we going to go here? I think I know which way you guys would like. So one of the things that we need to have for us to do the agricultural bit is a platform, and so we went to the late, great P.A. Yeomans, and P.A. came up with a thing called Keyline and his scale of permanence. With that, we developed the Regrarian platform. We added energy and marketing to that, and we added into that the sort of social dimensions which are important. So let's start with climate. It was beautiful to see that time lapse before. You can see the, uh, some similarities there. The, the human climate is really hard to change. We spend all of our effort trying to change the human climate. I'm not going to worry about the biospheric climate. So what we do is we use some of Everett Rogers' techniques in looking at the, the diffusion of innovation, in building knowledge, looking at persuasion, looking at decision, building in implementation, and then trying to confirm what we're doing is if it's right. With that, we have a whole range of frameworks. We're big fans of Alan Savory's work in holistic management for its ability to help us make decisions better. Um, and with that, we then look at a whole range of different tools. And a lot of the tools we've already got. So we're into integration. We're not following any particular methodology or ideology. We've got a full pack of cards here. And it's getting bigger. So we use holistic management. We use permaculture design for its ethics and design principles. David Orr, if he's here, that's uh, up in the top right-hand corner, that's at Oberlin College. Uh, one of our students built a disabled garden there after we did a PDC. Um, we use Keyline for its water planning and all of that sort of thing, and soil improvement, etc. We use Bioneer Paul Stamet's work in, in you know, cleaning up our messes. We've got lots of... J. Russell Smith's tree crop visions from the 1920s around a perennial permanent agriculture. Uh, Gunter Pauli and George, the late George Chan's work in zero emissions research and initiatives. The Five Kingdoms of Nature by Carlene Schwartz and uh, Lynn Margulis. And how we can really work with the filer of nature to, again, sort out some of the messes we've let, left for ourselves. Bioneer, John Todd and Nancy Jack Todd's work in Eco Restorer and uh, the Eco Machines. And then we also use this great guy, Jay Abrahams, who's built... That, that is an effluent treatment system, folks. A low, en low entropy 
wastewater treatment system. Built hundreds of these through the UK. Then we use all of these emergent carbon farming systems of the type that our last guest was, was not referring to, farmer-driven stuff. We look at Rob Hopkins' work in transition culture. He's just, I think he's here at the moment. Give it up for Rob, done a great job. Bill McDonough's work in Cradle to Cradle when we're looking at how we deal with the sort of transition industrially and so on. And we pull all of these things together into some sort of dynamic whole. So, geography. How do we integrate ourselves into this space, the board game as we call it? Well, we need maps. We need really good maps. Google is good, but anyone from Google, please do better. Give us some topography. If I was in the military, I could do this because I could, you know, I'd have great maps to be working with at the flick of a, of a switch. But, you know, us when we're trying to work on life systems, we have to spend a lot of money and a lot of effort, and this is where it takes us, putting drones in the sky and spending thousands and thousands of dollars when we could be just wiping away. Water is life, right? Really clear. If you, don't, if you, if you, you need to be blue before you're green and black, as we say, right? You need to have water before you have money, photosynthesis, carbon, and profit. So, first thing we need to know is how much water do we need? So we do an audit. Now, all of you can do this. A lot of you have seen programs on how to do that. The thing I'd look at is, America's a great place for doing groundwater extraction. Don't Google groundwater extraction or groundwater pollution. It is a bad Google, right? <laughs> it's not good. But you know, if we're going to use fossil resources such as oil, it should be applied into the use of plastic, making of plastic, for reticulating this precious fluid really effectively, not burning it. So we can do that. Every square yard of land that we work with, even in an arid zone, gets a 44-gallon drum of water on it every year. This is such an environment where Owen Hablitzel, one of our um, students, went to a place in New Mexico, scratched it a bit with a key line plough, got six inches of rain. It's the first thing that's grown there since the 1950s when it grew irrigated cotton. That can happen, right? So there's stuff going on. Small techniques, big, big future. We want to also put water high up in the landscape so we can use that thing called gravity. You might have heard of it, <laughs> right? Instead of pumping, it's all about being sensible. So we put dams or ponds, as you call them, high up in the landscape. The other thing about water is that we're trying to avoid this problem of having the raindrop exposed to bare soil. It's public enemy number one. It's the most destructive thing that we have in our array of choices. So we can deal with that. Access. You know, you've all got one of these. I drew a little picture for you this morning. And um, we, use, we use our handscape, as, I, as Brock calls it, to decide where we're going to put roads. Where are the best places to put roads? Well, you carry it around. I won't show you the other drawings I've got. Um, <laughs> but um, they're there. Lisa knows. Um, <laughs> but you can design all of these things. You carry around your landscape. So we can decide where we're going to place these systems in our management-intensive agricultures, which is what these have got to be. If we're going to put ourselves on a little block of land for a whole period, then you need to mimic nature in some way, and management intensity is the thing. This is a, a way that we've been able to even cross a little valley instead of putting a pipe in. 
This cost $250, two hours with a D5. We did plant it, ducks came in, they, they're always carrying seeds, and that, that's three years old, right? Simple. So roads need to meld into the landscapes, and they also provide the conduits of flow for things like trees and pipes and fencing and all of that. So you start to, you're starting to feel like a farm designer, right? Yeah. Now that flows onto forestry. So the perennial woody systems really, for us, are the overlay of, the, of, of agriculture. Right? It's just a matter of what density these things go in. What we're trying to do is have people back and involved in these systems too, and that means us you know, having a bit more of a management focus. People come from the forest and we need to get back there again, but we need to do it on the forest terms. Right. So we have riparian systems, we have mixed species forest plantations, we have shelter belts, we have orchards, we have wide-spaced savannas, we have all of these different systems that we work in. But what's really important is that we do a agrarian version of paying it forward by putting lots of trees back that we've taken out. That's really important. We can do it very fast. I can plant by myself 3,000 trees a day. Easy. You can too. So buildings. William McDonough said that if we're so smart, why did it take us 5,000 years to put wheels on luggage? Now, <laughs> I'd ask... Why did it take us so long to put them on buildings too? And now we even have portable dairies where you take the dairy to the cow, not the cow to the dairy. You spread the love of manure and urine as opposed to concentrating it and making it a problem. You take the milk away. I mean, that's, these are the things. Joel Salatin, another pioneer, he's, his revolution in greenhorn regrarianism where we're encouraging all of these people with no capital to build these kinds of systems. And then we've got Temple Grandin's insights, her empathetic insights into how we can treat animals more humanely if we're going to deal with them. I love the whole recycle building and tiny house revolution that's going on. It has a real social dimension to it as well. Like we say, you know, when I grew up and we're trying to raise our kids the same way, if you have a tiny house, then there's no room for anyone inside. So the best thing to be is outside. <laughs> Just come in to sleep and to be fed. Get out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> right, the other thing is fencing. And fencing, people have spent an inordinate amount of time collecting rocks and clearing vegetation so that we can create these sedentary landscapes of no value. And now we, have the, we can put electrons through wire and almost have fencing invisible, it's fantastic. And we can even have marauding packs of poultry following cattle behind, with you know, all of these things we can do. And we can do this in a framework that follows water, you know, follows the flow lines, follows our access lines. You know, we can define these, these places. Now, soils are life, but life may die. And that's, but, the reverse goes as well. Soils can be really easily created, and we look at uh, lots of ways to do that. The fastest way to grow soil is to do it with grass, and that needs herbivores. So we use the five essential ingredients of soil formation. The first one of those is sun, air, and water. Hello. And then second one is biologically available minerals that we can get through into composts, into animals, and into biodigesters. 
Third thing is Elaine Ingham, great hero of ours, living things in the soil. We need to get the soil alive again. And then we're looking at living things on the soil and all of their products, they can convert things. So we need all of that. Great manure shot there, little maggots. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Mosaic, you'll see that in the Polyfaces video in animation. We also need mosaic disturbance regime, so animals moving all of the time. That's how it works in nature. And then we can get all of these engines of activity to cycle nutrients. And that then takes us to marketing. So in the short time, nearly closed time that I've been here today, you could have set up some sort of Shopify site or something like that online. We're in a really interesting time. You could also get your, your, your PayPal here card or something like that, like we did with the other day with Guido at his farm in Valley Ford and bought some uh, ribeye off him. You can do that. Now a farmer, anybody can be in commerce. You can just swipe away. And if you don't like it, get your kids to do it, right? Because <laughs> they are naturally commercial, in my experience. But just work on your terms, okay? Right. <laughs> now in the research for this, I found that from the Farm Bureau and the Bureau of Labor, there's 124 million um, consumers in this country who spend on average 7K a year on food. There's a, there's a million what I'll call commercial farms whose primary income comes from ag. So our localization conclusion is that, these, that if each of those consumers gave all of their food spend to all of those farmers, that'd be 830 bucks an acre that they would get in income. That's well and above what the average um, income for farms is in this country. That would allow them to be more regenerative. It would give us better access to, better, better food and better access to food. It would allow farm, young farmers to see a viable future in agriculture. It would actually see that the possibility of having nutrient cycling engines and a new kind of entrepreneurialism you know, it'd allow people like Doniger, we're doing a course there on Tuesday, by the way, it'd allow, um, allow people like Doniger to, to get parity, where instead of getting the average 16 cents in the dollar, she gets a dollar for dollar, right? That's what you get here. So we've got this succession issue, there's so many issues that are going on in agriculture that you need to be aware of. Rabobank did a great report, have a look at it. Um, we've also got things like the Permaculture Credit Union helping us to get people to meld themselves in an interdependence with, with farmers. So, it's up to you. I took this photo yesterday, by the way. <laughs> Different crowd, perhaps. So, all of us, it's up to all of us, so that we can overcome this problem of so many farmers, so many people to so, to so few farmers getting all of these systems going. Right, energy. The, the photon of light is the most fleeting thing that we have. And so, as pioneer Fred Kirshenman said on this stage a couple of years ago, societies that are best equipped to survive are those that are prepared to change, and we're largely not. So that's, again, a choice for you. We've got to look at the biomass options. We've got to look at all of these emergent technologies that are out there, such that we can really get this thing going. We've got to get this carbon out of the sky, get it dropping in, and get all of the different outcomes that come from that. And make your choices. Which aisle are you going to go down, right? You've got the, you go to the uh, girls who will uh, take your money gleefully with a smile, or you'll go to the invisible giants. 
You know, there's lots of people doing this stuff out there. You know it, you've seen it. What about you going and doing something about it? So as they say in California, there you go. And um, I know, terrible. <laughs> Choices are there. So what do we do about growing it? If you want to do it, how do we grow it? How do we eat it? So what are we going to do about eating it? And where do we buy it? They're our real choices that you all have in front of you so that we can develop a agrarian future for all. And if you want to know more, well, shameless plugs, there they are. But also other people that are out there, have a look. There's lots of information. We're in a very information-rich world, but not, a lot, not enough knowledge. And with that, I'd like to thank you all for coming and spending your money and uh, being here today. To our friends at Bioneers for supporting us so well. To our lovely friends at Occidental Arts and Ecology who've uh, put us up for the last couple of weeks. Thank you. And especially to Brock for pumping my tyres up and for prodding um, Artie to get me here today. So thank you very much. Thank you.